What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Doing that, I was face-to-face with it. It was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converged into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is Uncomfortable. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. Most importantly, please help share the show with others and make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review where you can. That is the main way that you can help in getting the show out in front of other people uncomfortable slash pod.com is now up and running and that is the official landing page for uncomfortable podcast if you are a fan of the show and you are interested in helping support what we're doing here please go over to patreon.com slash uncomfortable podcast 770 and see if any of the three tiers there interest you i'll be adding a halloween bonus for the members in a few short days the link for patreon and uncomfortable discord will be in the show notes below now, for tonight's guest. He is an author of several books, including the Amazon best-selling A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle, and most recently, Travels Through Time, Inside the Fourth Dimension. You may have likely seen him featured in some recognizable TV series like The Unexplained with William Shatner, The History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Travel Channel's The Alaska Triangle, and Discovery Plus's Fight Club. For six years, he's hosted the Edge of the Rabbit Hole livestream and Connecting the Universe Interactive class. He owns and operates Haunted Road Media Publishing and Video Production Company and directing and producing credits to his name. If you're ready, let's get into it.
So if you will, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to my very accomplished guest, Mr. Mike Ricksecker. Mike, welcome to Uncomfortable. Thank you so much for having me tonight, Eric. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being here, my friend. I I, I, th- I said this before we uh, before we even started the recording. Um, I had seen you on TV on Ancient Aliens just uh, three or days three or four days prior to getting the the email from from your assistant. So I read the name and I was like, that can't be the same guy. And then I read a little <laughs> bit more and I was like. Hey, that's the same guy. So, yeah, um, nice piece of synchronicity. It is, and uh, I don't look at things as coincidences anymore. Um, synchronicities, I think, is a much more accurate term to use, even though it's yeah. getting overused a lot. Um, I wish there was another word because uh, I think <laughs> I think the uh, the television show, uh, the documentary uh, Hellier. Um, kind of just burn that that name that word synchronicities into my head. It was used so many times. It's like there's got to be another word. But uh, until we find right. that, I think I think that'll work. Mike, um, man, you've got uh, you got a lot of irons in the fire, don't you, my friend? I got a few things going on. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. <laughs> well, you know, I mean. I subscribe to Disney or uh, Discovery Plus. Um, you know, literally every streaming service that I have, all the recommended stuff, everything in in my feeds is all everything from UFOs to Bigfoot to you know shadow people to um, and most recently, uh, I have to say that the the ideas not necessarily with time travel, but how time how we perceive time right. and and the the lack of understanding that we have and the the inconsistencies that it brings about when you start thinking about all these things correct and hopefully that sounds like where we're going to head down for the at least a very good part of the first part of this uh podcast i did ask that uh Given, given your Air Force uh, history, uh, thank you for your service. Um, that we do end up getting into the topic of the the disclosure stuff and the UAP stuff that's been um, so so much in the headlines with us recently. But uh, yeah, let's let's get into the the time travel and and all that stuff. I've I've got post post it notes with so many maybe not necessarily questions but interjections and i can't wait to <clears throat> can't wait to hear what you have to say time travel let's let's get into let's get into your first of all before we even get into all that let everybody know where they can find your books um i mean, i'm sure they're on amazon um let everybody know you know plug your stuff what do you what have you got going on and then then start laying it on me i want to know about the yeah. the time travel <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me MikeRicksecker.com. That's my uh, primary website. Uh, it has all my books, uh, my event schedule, all that wonderful stuff on there. I also have the ConnectedUniversePortal.com, where, which is where you know, like-minded experiencers can come and participate in the conversation, become part of a community where we're diving into all of these different esoteric topics, whether that's 
lost ancient wisdom, shadow people, UFOs, all of that. Uh, we dive into it. Well, like the majority of what you just listed off as far as the topics that you cover, the, the, the mm-hmm. thing that really excited me about getting you on here is typically my show is people that are having, you know, spiritual awakenings or mm-hmm. hauntings or, you know, uh, dealing with the uh, shadow people or, Bigfoot experiences and UFO experiences and you know the ancient stuff is has always been kind of I'm drawn to it but mm-hmm. I don't really have the resources to you know like yourself you can you can travel the world and 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 go to these places and you can see these things as they were you know back in history and Maybe if I had time travel available to me, I'd be able to do that. But, um, right. you know, my 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 segment of, of shows is more um, experience related. And okay. that's why I was I was really interested in talking to you about about your research and, and the things that you've done. So string theory yeah, and, and and all that kind of stuff is just, you know, I'm. I fancy myself an intelligent man, but I am nowhere near uh, able to understand, you know, quantum physics or, or a string theory. So if you can, um, let's let's break this down to a, a level where, you know, the average listener is going to be able to make heads or tails. Sure. sure. And that's and that's what I try to do with my book, Travel Through Time, is, you know, I try to. uh you know, kind of put it out there in layman's terms, something that, you know, people can comprehend and understand and don't need a PhD in, in physics to, to understand what's going on here. I try to say that the book is, has a lot of science in it without being too sciencey and a lot of physics or a lot of metaphysics in it without being too metaphysical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of a nice uh, evening now. So when we're talking about time, uh, this is really, a, uh, it's a human construct that we've devised to describe our reality that uh, it's a measuring tool. So, uh, you know, we use it to, to figure out when the seasons are, when to plant the crops, when to show up at work on time so that our supervisors don't get upset with us. But, um, but, but that's all, it, it's a, it's a measuring stick that, that we've come up with to describe our reality. Time itself you know, doesn't really exist. When we think of you know, the the river of time, this thing that we we are caught up in, um, it's not really you know the the water in that river that you know, is uh, is the thing that's making time move. Uh, when we're using this sort of analogy, it's really the banks that are keeping everything compressed in that this rule, this boundary that's been put there uh, to make that water flow. Now, if you were to remove those banks, then all that water, what we're calling time, would spill out into a great big pond. It would just be stagnant and never present. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. Another way to view it is um, if we're driving through a town, say at 35 miles an hour and there's a couple of houses Maybe there is a uh, little convenience store, a gas station, that sort of thing. It takes us you know, 10 minutes to drive through this town, okay? Mm-hmm. 
means we have a time relationship with this town. Well, let's take the same town, but this time we're flying over the town in an airplane. We can see the whole thing all at once. So what we had once experienced in time, we're now experiencing in space. And that's kind of what we're looking at here, that we're looking at time as all one object. Okay? And that is in the fourth dimension. So uh, you know, we're very familiar with the three dimensions, uh, line, plane, a 3D object. You know, all those are ever present to us. The fourth dimension is time. We were to rise above that. Our theoretical physics tells us there are up to 11 hyperspatial dimensions. So everything that's above the fourth, five, six, seven, eight, and onward, can they're able to access time as if it is an object. Now, and so, let go me, ahead. Let me jump in real quick. Is there... I know that like some of these dimensions, once we start getting past mm -hmm. the third dimension, uh, the fourth dimension is they're kind of theoretical, right? How, how far have we proven that there are say five, six, seventh, eighth. Right. And, and you're right. This is all theoretical fifth and beyond. Our, basically, our, our math is showing this to be. Where we are at on the 4th, uh, what's, what's interesting is um, we're actually multidimensional beings. So basically, it's our consciousness that's on the 4th dimension. And so that consciousness is inside a 3rd dimensional object, which is really fascinating. So, you know, our, our reality is within those 4th dimensions. Everything above that is basically our theoretical science. But um, the fascinating analogy that Michio Kaku uh, puts out there, which I love, and he used it in uh, an episode of Ancient Aliens that we were in together, where he, he talks about take the fish in a pond. And, you know, that's their, that's their reality. That's everything that they are experiencing. Now, if you were to take that fish out of the pond, into a new dimension, then, you know, they would be totally blown away by everything that they see. And so would that be, a lot of the, would that be, a, would that be as simple as just lift, you know, cause I have a koi pond in my backyard. Mm -hmm. Would that be yeah. as simple as just pulling one of those koi out of the water? And right. It would, they have no concept being in that pond of, you know, the entire world, Beyond if they have ponds in your backyard, they have, they don't know anything about your backyard. They don't know anything about your house, the, the people walking around, you know, the city uh, that you live in. No idea whatsoever. Kind of the same with us. We are trapped within this dimension here. And we really, even though we have a, a lot of fun, uh, wonderful sci-fi movies and things like that, the concept of what the fifth dimension and beyond really is will totally blow our minds. So is there, you know, like Michio Kaku, I mean, obviously br brilliant man, um, mm -hmm. but in, in trying to describe this alter, this other dimension, I know that they, 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 the mathematics 
shows that it's there. But does the mathematics give an indication of what that place would be like? We've Yeah, we've tried to put together uh, what we call the Tesseract, which is really, I think it's a really heavy-handed way of, of, trying, to, of trying to show that next dimension. Because essentially, it's putting a cube on top of a cube. It's pretty heavy-handed. Um, so what is it that's beyond us? And that's really the, the big question. What does that look like? I think we get glimpses of it sometimes when uh, people have, they might call a supernatural experience. I think these are occasions in which we are getting some sort of bleed over. Another good example is um, for those that might be familiar with the idea of flatland. So this is a, and this will be, probably be a little easier uh, to kind of picture. So flatland is basically a flat two-dimensional world. Okay, so it only has the geometry of basic, you know, square, circle, that sort of thing. So if a three-dimensional object, a sphere, were to suddenly come through flatland, the people living within flatland would have no concept really whatsoever of the whole entire sphere. What they would see passing into the world, I could say this flatland is like a tabletop. What they would see passing into their world would at first be a very, very small circle, which would widen as it got to its apex and then shrink back down as it was passing through. So it became that very, very small circle again. And that's all that they would witness was the circle. They would have no idea of that great giant sphere. So that's one of the problems that, that we have being within our dimension is we might get a glimpse of what those things are beyond, but we are in no way, shape or form really getting that full picture of what that is. Interesting. That that is a very, um, you know. I guess when you you're, when you're saying that, it, it kind of. I don't play video games, but I watched my son while he was growing up playing <laughs> video games, and yeah. you know, like in the earlier days, uh, before the rendering has gotten so incredible that it has now. But I, 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 when you're explaining that, I'm seeing that sphere passing through. You know, just that that plane. Mm-hmm. And and what you're referring to is just the the outer the ever changing outer circumference right. of of that as it as it passes through. Correct. Now mathematics proves this. It, it's it's hard for me, and I'm not. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not questioning it, but it 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 is able to define those types of um, imagery that you guys come up with? Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't give you the math behind it because I'm, I'm not a, not a mathematician. I was always very good at math. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't throw the formulas out at you, but um, yeah, I mean, in my research, again, this is, you know, quote unquote, theoretical physics. So, that tells you right in the title, these are theories. To be able to, you know, sincerely prove the other dimensions would be to travel to one and, of course, bring the, the proof back. Right. So it's really our math that's showing us this. Just like when we talk about, you know, what, what a black hole is or how, uh, 
you know, how large the uni- the known universe is right now. All of this is done through math. And so we're, we're trusting that math to be correct. It's interesting. It's mind boggling. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure obviously you've written a book about it and you've, you've probably have done lectures on it and you're, you're very well versed in, in those theories. But for somebody from my standpoint who has not been steeped in that, it is, it, it's a tough thing to wrap your head around. Um, you know, it, time, what, what is time? I understand that it's a, a human construct. I understand that we had to come up with and create something because we had to be able to tell, like you said, what time to be to work, mm-hmm. when to plant the crops. Um, but like when we pass on, when we die, when we leave this plane, mm-hmm. from what I've heard in from both mediums, psychics, um, uh, paranormal investigators that are um, head and shoulders above what you would consider just normal weekend warriors. Um, it seems to be a, a common um, consensus that once we leave this plane, time is either not... It, it's not what we're used to. Right. But does it still exist? Or, you know, I heard you in, in one of your, um, one of your other um, talks, you were talking about a gentleman who, who basically, I think it was a, a story about a doppelganger. And it was a gentleman who, okay. um, he, I remember he had gold trim on his, uh, his suit. Yeah. Um, German fellow, I think was the gentleman, um, yeah, that, you know, he, he had what he, what people would consider to be a doppelganger where he saw himself, but then later he, he sees himself as what he saw previously. Mm -hmm. So. As far as time goes, are, are we talking that not only is it a possibility that everything that is happening right now, this conversation between you and me is happening, it's happening multiple times? So, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. I love telling that story That story about Goethe. Um, and, you know, he was a very famous German poet. You know, he had a reputation, and in one of his great works, uh, poetry and truth, he relates this story. And um, just to sum it up for your listeners, you know, he's walking down the road uh, one day to uh, Justinheim. He's having an affair with a young woman there. He's kind of lost in thought. And all of a sudden he notices off on the side of the road this man in a gold-trimmed gray suit and you know, turns his head to get a better look at him because uh, an interesting suit catches his eye and all of a sudden, boom, the guy disappears. Like, oh man, what, what in the world was that? You know, I, I don't understand what just happened. The guy was just right there. Continues on his way um, and meets, meets the young woman. Years later, he's walking down the same road in the opposite direction. And he comes across that spot and 
all of a sudden he realizes he's wearing this suit. He's wearing that gold trim gray suit. Not like he really you know, purposefully, you know, walked out the door with that day or whatever. He just you know, happened to put it on, happened to be walking down that road and noticed, oh my gosh, I am that guy. I was the guy in the gold trim gray suit. So yeah, it, it gets chopped up as a, as a doppelganger case because to him at the same time, and a lot of those stories, you know, become legends and become like these evil twins sort of things. And I really don't think that's the case at all, especially with this one. You know, I believe it was some sort of time slip. He had seen himself at another point in time. And what's happening here, you know, for him, I, I think the catalyst, because people are wondering, okay, how do you make a time slip happen? What's the catalyst? For him, I think it had something to do with the meditative state that he was in. Because when you get lost in thought or, you know, modern terms, when we zone out, it happens to us, you know, all the time. We might be driving down the road. We're kind of lost in our thought. We zone out. We miss our exit. Absolutely. miss our turn. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think, and that's a type of meditative state. And I think that's what was going on with him. And when he turned to get a better look at this guy, it broke him out of that meditative state. And boom. But he was able to tune into his, uh, he was able to tune into himself. You know, every, everything uh, in the universe comes down to, you know, energy, resonance, frequency, vibration. And I believe that he was in that meditative state, able to tune into that and get a glimpse of it. And then once he turned, it, it broke that, yep. whatever that connection was. Um, and so with, with time, and I have a thing that I call stack time theory. Um, all time is concurrent. Past, present, future, all happening at the same time. Again, if we go fifth dimension and beyond, because fourth is time, they would all see that as, sort of object, something that you could actually pass in and out of at will at any moment within that time. And so uh, if every moment throughout history is a photograph within that stack. If you were to figure out how to get two of those moments to resonate at the same frequency, I think sometimes they accidentally do, like here with Goethe and you know, there's a lot of other examples. Then Two of those moments can tune into each other for just a moment, and that's where I might chalk it up as a ghost or a haunting or something like that, where we see um, a person from another point in time, and they turn and look at us as if we're the ghost or you know, something else to that effect. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, this is more of when we talk about time. It doesn't really exist. Again, it's something that we've kind of defined. You know, we're, we're caught, whatever that control is that's kept this flowing, you know, that, in a sense, you could say is almost like time in a sense that it has that control set on us. So when we talk about like simulation theory and things like that, it would be like one of the rules or one of the parameters of the simulation. But yeah, as far as those from you know the afterlife, looking back in, you know, they've ascended to some other realm, some other higher dimension. So yeah, time as we perceive it definitely works different for them and probably doesn't even exist for them. So you talk, you know, you, you've, you've thrown some uh, terms out, you, you time slip. Mm -hmm. um, and then in this story of this gentleman who sees this guy in this, in this gold trim suit and, you know, then later on, <clears throat> excuse me later on he realizes that 
he's the guy in the suit. So he obviously saw into his future. Mm -hmm. Is that... I don't know how to ask the question. <laughs> um, is it is it is it relevant that he saw himself in the future, or is it more relevant that he saw himself in a different plane, in a different dimension, a different existence, a different parallel? parallel universe, uh, stacked time, like you, you said. Yeah. Well, okay. So when he saw himself in that moment, he wasn't really seeing himself in another dimension. He was seeing himself in the fourth dimension, but at another moment, somewhere up and down the stack. So, um, how do I put this? Um, yeah, it wasn't anything like an interdimensional being or you know another. It, it was a basically a blues over. So if everything is there in concurrent with each other, but just at a different frequency, like you know, right now we have radio waves uh, surrounding us, and you know, wireless technology that you know hasn't really been working for us this evening <laughs> uh, very well. Um, we can't see those waves normally. Right. Um, or like heat, we don't normally see those waves. Sometimes we do see a heat wave, right? Um, but that's all still right here on our plane of existence together. So even ourselves in the same location, like every in this room that I'm in right now, uh, basically every version of me that has ever been here and ever will be here is all right here with me, but it's all operating on different frequencies. So I don't see it. So all of those frequencies are around us, but they're not in another dimension. Okay. They are all here in the fourth dimension. And if we could tune into the same frequency of whatever something is on, we would be able to then actually see it. Cause our eyes only work within a certain spectrum of light. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and auditory so, as well. We can only hear in a certain right. frequencies. Exactly. So animals are a little bit different. You know, we, we, we know that animals can hear a lot more than us. They might be staring at a corner. Uh, sometimes we're like, Oh, are they looking up at a ghost or something like that? And no, they're probably hearing something from, you know, three yards away, mm-hmm. but you know, in that direction, you know, something like that. Uh, and they can see things a lot better than us too. So, um, well, you know, yeah, like we're, I, we're limited in that capacity. Like I was saying, uh, probably before we started to hit record, or maybe it was during, um, you know, I, I have Bigfoot experiences come to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my son, um, he won't, he won't say it was a Bigfoot experience because he didn't actually see whatever it was in clear, broad daylight. So, you know, he, a lot of the things that he said resonates with many other experiences that I've heard or been told about people who have been around these things. 
<coughs> but it, it seems to me, you know, people talk about Bigfoot and being able to cloak. And, and that sounds ridiculous. You know, it sounds like something straight out of a Predator movie. It's, it's make-believe. It's sci-fi. It, but I had, a, I had an interesting conversation with a woman who had been out in the woods hunting with her son. Her husband was on the same property um, a ways away. And um, it, it became apparent to her that she was in the presence of, of one of these things. Mm-hmm. And she she motioned for her son to get down out of the stand, and they were going to vacate the area. As okay. as they were doing so, she turned around and she said that the 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 strangest part of the whole thing was when she turned around. She was very familiar with the property they were hunting. They'd hunted there for years and years, and when she looked around behind her there was still a sky there were still trees there were still leaves on the ground it still looked like a normal wooded scene mm-hmm. but it didn't look right it looked different okay and how different she, um like enough so that what she should have been seeing would have been what she would recognize, and she didn't. Okay. And when she was telling me that, I mean, not that that's not hard enough to wrap your your mind around anyway, but that kind of started to clue me in that maybe these things are able to use different frequencies. Or use maybe they're not cloaking, but maybe they're exhibiting a um, an ability to to create a frequency to vibrate. I mean, because like if you know yeah. if you're looking at something and and you're being subjected to uh, an aggressive vibration your eyes are going to get jiggly. You're not going to see clearly. Um, so I, I started thinking about, you know, because Ron Moorhead wrote a book, the quantum, the quantum Bigfoot, where he starts delving into quantum mechanics of the possibility that these things are more entangled than, than what we know. And, and it just kind of dawned on me that the frequency and vibration seem to be a key you know, people talk oh, yeah. about hearing uh, a wood knock as mm-hmm. as a result right. of being in, around a Bigfoot. But then you talk to somebody who's gone and investigated a paranormal location, you know, say a haunted house. And what do they hear? They hear they hear knocks on the wall. Right. right? Yeah. Maybe those aren't knocks. Maybe those aren't just, hey, rapping on the on the door or the wall. Maybe that's a component to these things. Uh, coming into our perception maybe that's maybe that's you, you understand what i'm saying maybe that's yeah a component I, I understand of, what you're saying yeah maybe maybe that's a result of moving in and out of, of the dimension and you know some people report you know, seeing flashes of light and things like that mm-hmm. too so certainly any of those you know extra elements uh could be indicative of of that happening 
Yeah, and, and that's an interesting conversation because I know there's there's two sides to that and, and people within the, the community oh, and, and those that are supposed to be and, and those that are experts in, in that field. I mean, I'm, of course, familiar with uh, you know, Bigfoot phenomenon and all that, but mm. those that are, you know, that that's what they do is, um, you know, that's their field of research. You know, uh, those people, they'll, they'll butt heads oh, on that a lot of times too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but fascinating, and, and I understand each each argument. You know, the the idea that okay, maybe this is a you know uh, an ancient hominin that's just a handful left. I, I can understand that. Those that say that uh, you know, interdimensional uh, creature of some sort, mm-hmm. I can understand that one too. You know, uh, I haven't got a stand on that one yet because <laughs> um, I understand both sides of the argument. I'm just kind of you know collecting the data on that one. And I almost you know. Uh, I, <clears throat> I almost wonder if, you know, that, that, that budding of heads that you're talking about, um, I'm not necessarily on one side or the other, but I am somewhere in between, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, on, on that, um, I'm somewhere in between on, on, on poltergeist activity and ghosts and, and all that. I don't know that, you know, anytime somebody says they're an expert in something that we, we don't have tangible <laughs> evidence of that you, right. should, you should turn around and run, um, that's not to say that the 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 people who are standouts in the field of bigfootery um, have not done their their work, and you know mm-hmm. something's leaving those tracks, right? And if you can look at oh, that, absolutely. you can and you can uh, dissect uh, the the morphology morphology of the foot and and the bone structure and everything. Something's leaving that print, so I, I think that's undeniable. But you know, there's so many things in this world, you know, like octopuses that can change their color you know they can they yeah. can look like the coral reef i mean that's in our natural in our natural world you can go to an yeah. aquarium and see it happen so is it that weird that another animal could possibly have that same kind of a trait i don't think it is but whenever you start talking about a lot of them call it the woo then then you start having then you start having issues and breakdowns in in wanting to have a conversation about it but right you know kind of back to to what you were talking about um you know i've had some some instances in my life that have, like would be considered deja vu very strong you know never been here sure. before totally recognize it um i'm not going to go as far as to say that i had a a vision of this place or i i knew that i was going to be here that's not what i'm saying but Sometimes I wonder, you know, like when you have that very strong deja vu, are you coming, are you coming extremely close to yourself having already been there only yeah. on that, on that next plane? Yeah. There's a couple of different ways to look at it. Uh, when we have that deja vu moment, one, uh, could be a reoccurrence of you know, maybe a, a dream or a fragment of a dream that's that's left over. And when when we are asleep, our uh, brain enters into different wave states, and some of those different states can connect us to other elements of this universe. Uh, we talk about I, I call it eternal knowledge, but uh, Carl Jung called it the collective unconscious. There's other people who call it, you know, the, the Akashic records. There's some, you know, knowledge out there that you can tap into for one and, and people bring that back with them, you know, or 
you can experience these other moments in time as well. And you might bring something or might observe something and kind of bring it back with you that might be an entire scene that you remember or you walk into a location right. months later or days later or whatever. Like, Oh my gosh, you know, I just had a dream about this entire thing just happening. Mm. But sometimes only a fragment of that remains. Like a lot of times like I probably had, uh, you know, this morning before I finally got out of bed, I probably had, you know, three or four different dreams. Uh, and some of them I know had some length to them, but I could probably only give you a, a fragment, you know, like maybe a just real quick, well, you know, I was at this particular location yeah. and that's it. That's probably all I could tell you. You know, a lot of times what we retain is just really fragmentary. So you might walk into whatever that was. Like, oh man, this seems really familiar. And that's like a deja vu. But there's other cases in which, okay, if all time is concurrent, past, present, and future, that means we may be walking into locations in which one of our past lives is currently there. If you're a believer in reincarnation and past lives, that means one of our past lives is already there. And so that deja vu may feel familiar to us because we're currently there, but maybe a hundred years ago or a hundred years into the future. And that's why it feels so familiar to us. The Eufy Video Lock takes the place of separate smart locks, security cameras, and doorbells all in one simple to install unit. A Phillips screwdriver was all I needed. The Eufy 330 Video Lock took me 20 minutes to install and there is no hard wiring necessary as it's powered by a four month rechargeable 10,000 milliampere hour battery. The Eufy Video Locks are complete with fingerprint technology, passcode entry, physical keys, and free local storage for crystal clear 2K video. There is absolutely no contract nor the need for costly monthly monitoring subscriptions. The free Wi-Fi driven iOS and Android compatible apps let you have full control over your new Eufy video lock system in just a few clicks. Convenience and security are extremely important and the Eufy video lock delivers on both. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y video lock because as the host of uncomfortable podcast you just never know who or what will wind up at your front door visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock and get yours now that's eufy e-u-f-y What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So, time slips and and the Mandela Effect. Yeah. The, the Mandela Effect for me is a, is a tough one. Because I'm like, am I just not remembering it right? Or or is right. there... Now, I'm going to tell you, I had Fruit of the Loom underwear <laughs> when, I, when I was a young dude. And there was a cornucopia in that logo. I full-on guarantee you it was there. Mm-hmm. And now they say it wasn't. And right. 
you know, so that's one for me. You know, the whole um, uh, Sinbad playing uh, uh, some kind of uh, a genie or yeah, something. Or whatever. That, yeah. that one I can't speak on because I didn't watch it. I, I, I wasn't. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there's some of them that they hit me pretty hard, and I'm like, Ah, somebody's screwing with me because I I I remember. Um, mm-hmm. So are we? Are we phasing into other timelines? Are we phasing into other, um, you know, offshoot streams of, and and if we are, and I realize you can't answer this unequivocally but you <laughs> right. know, the your thoughts on it because you've obviously spent mm-hmm. a lot of time looking into this and and, sure. and researching <laughs> are we are we moving in and out of different times are we slipping into other timelines and is that yeah yeah um i don't think it's necessarily slipping in and out of other times i think it's basically a rewriting of the timeline. And so, um, and, and some of this, I, I believe is, you know, misremembering some different things. Um, but I have had legitimate Mandela effect type of experiences. You could go out to, you know, some of them that I've had, you could go out to like the list of the top 50 of a hundred you know, and you won't find them on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know several other people, even in other parts of the world that remember it the same how do you and I remember the same thing right. from like 30 years ago? Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. So, um, I do believe that we have, uh, time travelers among us. I believe that uh, people have learned that ability. I don't think they're going back to change branding. That would be really trivial to do and <laughs> to go back and, Oh, let's, you know, take away the cornucopia. Cause I, and I do remember that as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a thing. I'm telling you. I know it was. Um, I don't think they're going back to remove the cornucopia. I think what's happening is you know, they're going back and, and not even necessarily to do anything malicious or to actually change something uh, purposefully. Maybe some are, but I don't, I, I don't think that they truly are. I, I think it's more, they're going back, watch, observe. Maybe there's information they need. Maybe there's a resource that they need to gather something like that. And because of inadvertent interactions with the local environment, like the butterfly effect, you know, one little thing changes over here and there are those ripple effects over time. You think so, that's what it is? You know, I, I think that's what a lot of it is that, yeah, somebody has gone back in time to do something and it's had some inadvertent ripple effects. And sometimes it's small, you know, like the, like the branding. Other times it's something big like Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Is he alive or is he dead? Yeah. That sort of thing. That's one that, you know, I mean, I can sit here and, and, and quantify the existence of UFOs and, you know, most likely extraterrestrials or if not, if nothing else, ultra dimensionals, um, no problem. I can sit here and think that, you know, Bigfoot is a, is a real living part of our nature. But when when you start monkeying with my memories of yeah, you know that that to me is you know I I I, I tend I, I like conspiracies 
I, I think they're fun. Um, I think people that tackle conspiracies are somewhat um, uh, wrong for doing so because if you present an idea that you think is the answer to your, this conspiracy and other people buy that, then you're spreading false information because you don't really know. Um, so right. I, th- I think that can be dangerous. Um, but, you know, it's like, it makes me wonder, you know, it's like, are they doing simple little things like this? They, you know, they, whoever they <laughs> doing, are, right. doing simple little things like this to make us question our, you know, our, our memories to make us question, do, are we really remembering this? Or, you know, are they going to come at some point and start telling us that, that, you know, certain things throughout history didn't actually happen, you know, and, and why aren't, why aren't those, uh, coming to light as Mandela effects? Why are, you know, why isn't it that, you know, Martin Luther King died of natural causes? Um, you know, something similar to that, you know, it, it's, it's these silly little things that, really don't seem to to have any effect other than to make us scratch our head and say, wait a minute, what the hell's going on here? Right. Usually something out of pop culture or mm-hmm. what have you. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest one seems to be, you know, when did Nelson Mandela die? And yeah. that's how you know, the whole effect uh, came to be, came to be uh, coined by Fiona Broom. Um, you know, it could be, you know, and we don't necessarily know how all of that works. So if we do have uh, some sort of you know, time travelers with that type of capabilities and they don't necessarily have to be sure they could be us from the future, but they could very easily be anybody from any of these higher spatial dimensions, uh, five, six, seven, eight and beyond. Right. Uh, because again, they would see time is all concurrent one whole. So they'd be able to move in and out and, we don't, we don't know. They might have, you know, some method for methodology for cleaning up some of the bigger things. You know, like I said, you know, why didn't Martin Luther King Jr. die of natural causes? Maybe in one of the timelines, you know, before it was cleaned up, maybe he did, you know, yeah. and then something else happened when they went back and things got changed and, um, and then he ended up being assassinated. It could be. Um, and they might have a method for it something big like that happens, they might have a method for cleaning it up. But some of the smaller things, again, they're kind of trivial. You know, it, it does the spelling of Fruit Loops really matter? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you know, I, you know, Berenstein versus Berenstain. I mean, I, yeah. had, I had those books in my house when my kids were growing up. Yeah. They're Berenstein. Berenstein, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's just like, but again, you, you kind of hit it on, you know, there, a lot of it's pulp, pop culture stuff. Right. And, and to me, that's, that's even more curiouser that it would be simple things like that, that really, other than making us scratch our head, doesn't really affect anything, you know, but. I guess to your point, if somebody did go back and accidentally influence a change, you know, it could have been something completely unrelated to the Berenstein Bears, but it might have been something that affected somebody who affected somebody who affected somebody that ended up naming the book. 
And well, and it could be, you know, I, I don't know the, uh, I don't know the family history behind, um, behind the Berenstains, but you know, with, for a lot of people who came into America, you know, they're, they're, Spelling of their names are changed. You know, yep. my last name Rick Secker. It's it's a Swiss last name, but that's not the original spelling. <laughs> it was it was anglicized in the early 1700s in Philadelphia. Um, so if let's say something, some sort of change happens in the in the 1700s or what have you, that affected you know who ended up there. Uh, you know, at the, at the embarking for all of those immigrants. And so you had a different person there, you know, writing the names down because of whatever change happened. Yeah, Maybe that, that person spelled it differently. Yeah. It's uh we could speculate all day. It, yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, you know, the movies, um, the, the movies rarely tackle, um, time travel in in a manner that doesn't just have a gazillion loopholes in it, and you know where it doesn't make sense. No, that that shouldn't be able to happen. Um, you know, my favorites, the Back to the Future um, franchise, great movies, loved them, and I thought they did a fairly good job of you know the continuity behind the idea of it. Um, but there's been some that have just been terrible and, and it's almost enough to be kind of off putting that I don't want to watch it because if this person didn't really have a decent grasp of the idea of it, you don't want to deal with all the, the inconsistencies. Um, yeah, but yeah, one, there's go ahead. Well, there's just one that comes to mind and I can't remember even the name of the movie, but it seemed like they were, going back in almost to prehistoric times, but they had, there was a path that had been uh, created by the people that had gone previously. And then the next group of people that were going were cautioned very strongly to stay on the path because if you step off the path and you, you know, and I think one of the, one of the people actually stepped off and it was either they stepped on a plant or they stepped on the wing of a butterfly and then everything just obviously goes to hell in a handbasket. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's crazy to think that one simple little change like that could affect who knows how much on the other end. Yeah, yeah, we don't know, you know what repercussions you know would really happen if. This little thing was changed well, and let's say you know, crushed the wing of a butterfly, or you know, what have you, and that butterfly doesn't get to wherever, and so everything falling out from that, yeah. And, and some of those could be very, very long term, yeah. Pop culture is kind of hit or miss with some of those. Uh, when you're talking uh, some of the loopholes they provide, sometimes time travel is just used as a gimmick. Uh, of course, Back to the Future uh, uses the, grand- the grandfather paradox, yeah. I think the, the the one movie that really tries to get to like the science behind it is Interstellar, mm. and you know I, I think a lot of people are kind of confused by the end. You know, like oh, here's this great space odyssey movie, and uh, what's all this thing with this you know yeah. time and 
you know, the, what's this Tesseract thing? That's the one where they actually, instead of the cube on top of a cube type of a Tesseract, uh, like we see in a lot of her illustrations, um, in this, it's the structure is every single moment in time of his daughter's bedroom. And they spread it out, um, like they're all strung together, so they're kind of giving you the idea of a string, string theory. theory. Yeah. And um, and so when he has to deliver the message, it's all with these little strands that he kind of has to tap on and stuff like that. So you're kind of getting that imagery. But um, and, and that's really what we're, we're talking about. You know, take that vision right there. Every single moment of his daughter's bedroom is all right there for him to freely access. And so that would be anybody that is outside of the fourth dimension. That's what they would. That's what they would see. Pick a spot and everything's there. Where's your head on the, you, you call it the uh, the collective conscience, the uh, Akashic, Re- uh, Akashic Re- record, um, all, all of the information that has been and never will be being able to be accessed. Um, you know, there's, uh, I forget the gentleman's name, I believe he was from um, India. Um, I think even um, Tesla kind of alluded to the fact that he would uh, he would be able to in in a dream state access um, that type of stuff. I, I mean, there, it makes sense that some of the uh, some of the incredibly uh, genius minds that we've had have have thought so far out of the box that they must yeah. be getting it from somewhere. Yeah, and I would definitely say Tesla was, was certainly one of them. Uh, he was so, so far ahead of his time. He was getting laughed out of the room. And, you know, he's, he's talking about, you know, one day we'll have the knowledge of the world in our pockets. You know, and people would laugh at him. And, and yet we can access pretty much everything we everything. need to know right yeah. here in our phone uh, that we can put in our top in our pockets. He, he developed the first drone. Uh, he was talking about artificial intelligence in the 1890s. You know, they, they called the tele teletomatons back then. That's what he called his first drone. He's like, well, you know, I can build one of these that looks like me, acts like me, talks like me, would respond like me. You know, and he's, he's talking about AI. He's, he doesn't, understand at that point what it would take, you know, the silicon microchip and all that, uh, how we ended up coming uh, to that. You know, he's thinking it's going to be all, you know, gears, wheels, radio waves, that sort of more thing. More mechanical. But yeah. he, more mechanical, yeah. But the idea was there. Where did he pull that idea from? You know, artificial intelligence and drones and cell phones, and, you know, he was way, way ahead of that in his time. And so, yeah, this is uh, something that our you know, philosophers, Young was a uh, psychologist, you know, that people like that have really looked into the way that uh, you know, the human mind works, the way uh, you know, information systems work and that sort of thing. And, you know, really when we, we're talking, okay, all time is concurrent, what, what does that mean? Well, you know, if we get into the idea of we're all in a simulation, I don't mean when we say simulation, a lot of people automatically go to, oh, you're talking a computer simulation. Like, well, 
we go to computer because that's, you know, our most modern technology, right. just like, again, Tesla was thinking, you know, AI and, a and, uh, a telephomaton, you know, instead of a robot, <laughs> yeah. it was going to be gears and wheels and radio waves. He didn't understand the technology, but it just like with the simulation, I, you know, this magnitude, I don't think we really understand the technology behind that. I don't, I think it's going to be something far more grand than the computer. I actually think it's going to be more like, you know, biological or organic in nature. Um, but given all that, um, in a simulation, all the information, all the data is there. You know, if you look at like a flight simulator, okay, when you log into that and you start flying around learning how to fly the airplane, all the information that you need to run that is there, how the plane works, you know, weather conditions, the terrain, the cities, all of that is all right there, that whole little world. Uh, you mentioned computer game earlier. Mm -hmm. All the information for, for the game world is there. Now you're running through it literally because, you know, the parameters and the rule set of the game, just like with our time. Right. But all the information of the game is, you know, back in the day, you know, when you're running on an Atari 2600 or, you know, the, the kids that had the Nintendo systems was all on a cartridge. Everything was there. Yeah. Right? Um, today it's a download. You run the thing. Uh, but still, all the information is there. And so that's what's going on within our universe. All the information is here. And sometimes you're able to tap into this other, what we're calling eternal knowledge or the collective unconscious or the Akashic records. People are able to tap into that and you know, bring some of that information back with them. And it's it's crazy sometimes because, you, you know, you'll all of a sudden they'll be like, you saw this a lot back in the 1800s where all of a sudden there's like five or six guys out of nowhere, inventors, that are all suddenly trying to make the same thing. They're all in different parts of the world, yeah. you know, not talking to each other. Right. And they're all suddenly making the same thing. What, what is that? Somehow they tapped into the same piece of knowledge. Yeah. I'd like to get a, I'd like to get a glimpse into that. Not, not that I would be, not that I have the ego to think that I would be able to do anything with it, uh, but. Well, and that's kind of the thing you, you tap, you tap into that and let's say you, you know, pulled up a, you know, some sort of mechanical physics, whatever. Uh, okay. Nuclear physics. I have an, I have an uncle who's a, uh, who was a retired nuclear physicist. If I cracked open a, a record that he would no, I'd probably look at it. I have no idea. <laughs> so even if I, even if I've got a glimpse of it, I would have no idea how to practically right. use it. Which, so, which yeah. is is a weird thing because this information seems to come to the people who can do something with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we're able to tune into whatever. Like I said, you know, some people call it the Akashic record. So we'll use that term for, for right now. I think some people, they're able to tune into those records that are, um, that are appropriate for them. That are relevant. You know, yeah. That, yeah. Something that's relevant to them. You know, they, they will understand it. Yeah. Nuclear, nuclear physicists might not understand, um, I don't know, quilting, you know, so they're not going to open that one. Right. 
Well, like you said, we could go on and speculate for for days uh, with all of this. Yeah. I did want to uh, I did want to get into something that's a little bit um, more kind of in the headlines, and, uh, and sure. it has been it has been something that. I don't know, about three years ago, I got really excited about because I was like, finally, finally, (laughs) everybody that said I was nuts. um, And that was a bit of a flash in the pan because they decided to to make a public announcement uh, like right in the midst of of a pandemic, which overshadowed (laughs) something that Mm -hmm. I thought should have been uh, uh, an incredibly uh, insightful thing but um ufos i I hate the new terminology uaps let's call them what they are they're ufos (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) um much like the bigfoot world where you have people that are button heads um you know you you have the dr greers who Mm -hmm. are these things are benevolent and they're here to help us and they want to sing kumbaya with us and and usher in a a new world peace. You have the Luis Elizondos who are saying that these things are uh, posing a a clear and present threat to our national security. Um, you have the Nick Popes of the world who who are um, excited to talk about this stuff. It was m- much less hidden in in his country where he comes from from the UK. Yeah. Um, you've got the, the prime minister of Canada who, uh, the former prime minister, Paul Hellier, um, who flat out comes out and, and sounds like a, a loon, um, just saying that, you know, they're here, they're among us and, uh, you better watch out. Um, but then you have congressional hearings. You have, you have gentlemen like commander David Fravor, who, you know, arguably you're, you were in the air force, um, I mean, Fravor is a stand-up dude. Right. Stand-up dude. Yeah, I mean, you don't get to the position that he was by being a a flake. Um, you know, I don't know a lot about uh, David Grush. Um, kind of came out of nowhere um, with with his stuff. Um, seems like his his background checks out. Um, nobody's been able to say that, you know, no, he didn't work at S4, uh, like they did with right. Bob Lazar, but, um, you know, even Bob Lazar, I mean, for as many you know, years as he's been around, his story has never changed. He's stuck. It has to never it. changed. And, and what's interesting about his story is I don't believe him on the, um, or I, I believe him, but I don't believe him because of all the things that he has said about, you know, trying to learn propulsion systems, uh, you know, extraterrestrial craft and all right. that stuff. I believe his story because of his personal side of it, mm-hmm. where he was having you know, all the issues going on with his wife and all that. And they were about to pull his secured clearance. Yeah. That whole story that he tells right there, when I spent a couple of years at, at NSA and I went through something very similar and everything that he said, from his incident was you know, almost verbatim, you know, this sort of thing that I went through. Uh, and so it was like, yeah, I believe this guy because all of that is absolutely <laughs> the way things 
you know, went down. So I had no reason to not believe him on the other material. So it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, the things that, that will make you believe somebody. It so, is. um, yeah, it, you know, it is interesting how everybody kind of has a bit of a, of a different perspective. And so, um, it's, you know, when it comes to, well, and, and they, they used to call it the, the UFO problem. Now I guess it's the UAP extraterrestrial problem or something. Um, you know, and I've said this you know, with, um, when I've done my you know, paranormal research with shadow people and all that, a lot of people will try to say shadow people are the most evil of all evil things are dark, malicious, malevolent, all that sort of thing. It's like, well, it just depends on which one you run into, you know? So, okay. You're we saying they're all benevolent. Well, I'm sure, yeah, sure. You're going to have some that are nice and maybe giving and want to share technology and that sort of thing. Ones that are a threat to national security. Yeah, you're going to have those too. You know, it just depends on which one you're, you're running into. Kind of like with humans, you know, it's going to be very simplistic. Some people are good. Some people are bad. Some extraterrestrials are going to be good. Some of them are going to be bad. It just kind of depends on which one you're interacting with. I think people want like a really simplistic answer that so this is what this phenomenon is. And really it's, it's a smattering of different things. So even the craft themselves, the, the things that we're seeing in the sky, are some of them actual physical craft from other planets in the cosmos? Sure. Are some of these interdimensional? They're phasing in and out of our plane of existence. Absolutely. Are some of these ultra-terrestrial, something that's actually right here on Earth with, with us that we can't usually see with our own eyes, but sometimes we do? Yes. I, I think all of these phenomena are a possible explanation for some of these events. I think all of these things are happening. Because I just got like uh, a crystal bullet through my brain. Um, it's something I never thought about until the discussion we just had prior to this. And that is that, you know, so even though some of them, uh, the, the craft that we see in the sky, look to be a nuts and bolts type of craft, but then you have other ones that exhibit uh, much stranger, weirder-looking uh, properties to them. And yeah. if if we in this present timeline are experiencing extraterrestrial craft from another planet, another universe, another galaxy. It makes sense now that we some of these things that we're seeing in the sky that look so different that are still considered UAPs, when they come in, they look like they're more uh, acting more almost like a biological thing, or they seem to be phasing in and out. And mm-hmm. and if if we're being visited by another another sentient being that comes from a different dimension it would make sense that their their craft would act differently and and right right because other dimensions are going to have other physical properties yeah so uh, again when we were talking before you know like like old flatland thing um everything there is is a flat you're only going to have a square circle rectangle 
but you have a sphere come through, you're only going to see the circle part of it. Right. And the rest of it are going to have different properties. So some, the same thing with some of these different phenomena that we are seeing in our st- sky. Some of these that are crossing over from some other dimension, we're only seeing what can physically render that. You know, whatever has that you know, correct geometry for our dimension, we're only going to see that part of it. And the rest of it, you know, we're, we're not. It's going to be very, very bizarre to us if, if we were to actually get a glimpse of that. Um, and, and on the time travel note, you know, some of these could actually be time travelers from, from the future using whether some sort of craft or some other technology that we can't comprehend. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's, you know, we are the time travelers. You know, they, there could be, uh, extraterrestrial time travelers or other interdimensional time travelers and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, there are, there are, uh, collection of people out there that are saying, well, these UFOs and UAPs, you know, they're not, they're not extraterrestrial at all. They're just us from the, the future. future. Once we've learned time travel and, you know, I'm like, no, oh, that's one idea, but, uh, kind of forgetting that you know, there's 5 billion years left to our planet. Humans on this planet have, you know, the oldest homo sapien they have found is about 300 15,000 years old. Okay. Um, that's really not that long ago in the grand scheme of the big picture. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you think about, you know, the dinosaurs went extinct 64 million years ago, that's less, or that's just over 1% of the entire lifetime of the earth. We're about 4.5 billion years. So the idea that humans are going to survive on this planet, another 5 billion years might be stretching it. Um, and who knows why humans might not survive here. We could come up with a thousand different reasons. But, you know, let's say it's 4 million, 100 million years in the future. There might not be humans here at this time. could be a couple of different things. So it could be another intelligent life form that evolves, you know, develops technology, develops time travel technology, and comes back. So it could be indigenous here to Earth, but not human. Another idea is, okay, maybe there is an extraterrestrial space-bearing race that you know, colonizes our planet 100 or 200 million years from now after humanity's gone, and they end up developing time travel technology. So it still could be an extraterrestrial race living here on Earth, going back in time. But there's all, we could spend all day on, on different possibilities. So when, when uh, people are like, well, you know, this, this is the answer. Um, yeah, might be, might be for some, but there's a lot of other things it could be too. It's 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 a fun conversation to have. It and, is, yeah. and you know, I mean, just this conversation with you, like I just said, I that's that's a thought that I've never given consideration to. You know, there's another perspective to look at all this this strangeness uh, through a different lens. And, uh, so where, where does your head, you know, taking all your research out of it, well, not, not really take it out of it, but (laughs) obviously you need it to make an educated, uh, statement on it. But, um, where is your head at as far as, do you think it's all of the above? 
as far as the extraterrestrial or UFO presence in, in our skies? Do you think it's all above? Do you think any any one of those uh, aforementioned people and their their belief systems or their theories on, on these things are, are more correct than, than not? Or I think it's a lot of the above. I think it's hard to say all. Um, and I think it's hard to say it's just one. So I think it's a, it's a number of them that, um, you know, when, when you look at the phenomenon, there's a lot of different recorded experiences. There's a lot of different things that we're seeing. Sometimes they are light anomalies and they show up in a variety of different ways. Sometimes it's a physical craft. Again, we, we are seeing different technologies. Um, you know, we might have, we might have the saucer type craft craft up there. We might have a cigar shaped one. We might have a triangle shaped one. There are all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. So, you know, they could be different races and it could be one race with a, you know, a fleet in those shapes are, are different function. We, we don't know. Um, you know, sometimes these beings just kind of appear out of nowhere. We, it looks like maybe the typical gray alien. Sometimes it looks completely different. You know, we've had so many accounts of different shape creatures and beings. You know, and, and that's why, you know, people have written these massive, huge books describing right. all these experiences. So I think we're experiencing a lot of different things. And so yeah, I, I can't say any of these guys are, you know, hundred percent correct. But I can't say they're hundred percent wrong either. I think they might, to a degree, all be right to, to, to some to some point. I think I think the one thing for me is that with as long as these things have been coming here, um, even going back into ancient history, mm-hmm. um, there there's a. I think there's a, a pretty good argument to be made that. There, there is some recorded history of, of these things being here. Um, yeah. And, and for people that see those, you know, petroglyphs or, or the, the carvings that, you know, we would look at and say, well, you know, they're going to say, nah, that's, that's fake. It's, it was supposed to be something mm-hmm. else. I disagree with that. Um, but having had them be around us for as long as they have, and that the fact that we still exist I think tells me that their their primary interest isn't in um, eradicating us. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I think we're safe. Um, I, I don't know that we're going to turn into a food source for them, or you know, maybe maybe we will we'll be enslaved and and go back to digging mines of gold for them. I don't know, um, right? But well, you know it's. There are a couple of different ways to look at it. You know, there are okay if they are superior beings to us, they could just be completely disinterested in us. You know, okay, they haven't annihilated us yet. Okay, because yeah, we're still here, and then you got to ask why. Okay, are they are they trying to save us from ourselves eventually? Yeah, maybe, but is it you know they're just kind of disinterested in us? Like, yeah, how? how much are we paying attention to fire ants? Are we really that interested? I mean, we are superior beings to fire ants. Um, you know, are we going to try to save them from themselves if, if they get into a battle with each other? I, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, 
you know, kind of looking at it from a perspective, you know, of us looking down onto, you know, other beings that are on our planet, how much of an interest do we, I mean, we have people that study that, right? And then we scoop them up and we make a colony and we study their behaviors. That sounds like a alien abduction, right? (laughs) Um, you know, but we're, but we're not, the, the average person is pretty much disinterested in them unless, you know, they go invading their home or something. You know, I, I always go back to this. If you were to take every animal on this planet and line them up and you put us at the end of it and you go through it and you're looking at hair-covered things, four-legged things, things with claws, things with gills, things with feathers, everything on this planet, for the most part, looks like it. It's like that the old kid song one of these things is not like the other right um, yeah you know, <laughs> when, you, when you get to us it's always been very glaringly obvious to me you know and and a lot of people will want, will want to pull in the religious a- aspects of you know that why we are what we are but we're the one thing that doesn't look like we're natural to this world Right, you know, and there used to be a lot of talk like when when I don't know how old you are, but when I was a younger man, um, and a young kid even, there was a lot of talk about the missing link. You know what? There, there's oh, that, yeah. there's that gap. You never hear that talked about anymore. No, and it's interesting because they do find other hominins. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's been some great research there that's done, and they're like, oh yeah, somewhere in the evolutionary change somewhat but yeah they've still never found that one that links us back right for all of that to find all of these other there there is a, a missing part of our history there something happened um you know and i've and i've definitely toyed around with the idea that we're not originally from here or you know there might have been some species that came there's the whole you know gene splicing thing that uh, could not have naturally happened that's within our dna so did somebody come down here and play around with genetics uh, of something with your something happened? Yeah. Because um, yeah, just just kind of basic stuff. You know, what other animal cooks their food? What other animal clothes themselves? You know, it's just we're the we're the only ones that do, and that's just basic. Yeah. You know, a couple of the necessities there. Um, but there's so many other ways. Yes, yeah, that, that we are different than than other animals on this planet. It's bizarre. We just, we, we stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight has been Mike Ricksecker. Mike, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I know we're, uh, we're pushing the limits of the, the time you had for me tonight. So do me a favor, and if you would, please let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find your books, and everything else related. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, you can find me at MikeRickSecker.com, M-I-K-E-R-I-C-K-S-E-C-K-E-R.com. And then also I have my uh, online uh, learning portal, the community, uh, ConnectedUniversePortal.com is where we have you know, wonderful conversations uh, like this. I appreciate you, sir. It, it's been a pleasure. And... Uh... I'd like I'd like to get you back on again because I've yeah. enjoyed the conversation and I think there's uh, miles to go before any of us sleep. So um, plenty to talk about. 
Yeah, that would be fantastic. I would enjoy that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Eric. Good night. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.